Okay guys, before Harry gets here with some inane questions to kick off the podcast, I just want to talk to you very quickly about our new sponsor, Studio. Studio is a high quality Swedish headphone brand offering a range of stylish wireless headphones and accessories suitable for all your listening needs. Now personally, I like a nice chunky over-ear headphone when I'm listening to music, so I'm currently using their Regent Design in Black. The sound quality is fantastic and they're super easy to use and carry. Best of all, if you're a podcaster like us or a musician and sometimes you need to guarantee that zero latency sound while recording, these headphones do come with detachable wires that you can use to connect them directly to your phone, tablet or computer anytime. If you prefer something a little lighter, they also offer classic in-ear and sports headphones in a range of colours and designs. Just go to studio.com to explore the entire catalogue and if you enter the offer code BOXSET at the checkout, you can earn 15% off your first purchase. That's on us. That's studio.com, offer code BOXSET, B-O-X-S-E-T, no spaces. Okay, on with the show. Okay, so John, what's the biggest lie you've ever told? Well, Harry, I've been meaning to tell you this for a long time. My name's not really John. Oh, I thought you were going to say I'm not gay. (laughs) (laughs) Which would have been a bigger shock, actually. Really? Really? (laughs) That would be more so than if I was a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, a podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry, joining me as always is John. Hello. And John, you've brought a film this week. I have brought a film this week. So this week, <laughs> what's, what's with the face? What? No, 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 nothing's with the face. The face is fine. Okay. So we're continuing with our actors turned musicians, our Sing Your Way to an Oscar season. So with that in mind, I brought a film by one of the all-time great actors and singers. She's somebody who's probably equally famous in both worlds. So I have brought the film Yentl, starring Barbara Streisand. Sorry, you really, uh, you really lengthened that out there. I was holding in that, that sigh for a long time. <laughs> sorry, I'm struggling to breathe. <laughs> you do look a little blue. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I did not enjoy this at all. Really? No. Okay. I found it really boring. It's a little slow. It, a little? <laughs> No, I wasn't there for it. No. Normally I'm there for a musical. Yeah, I did think, because you normally you're quite a fan of musicals. Yeah, so. I really am. But this one, I don't know, it just didn't work for me. I, I guess that, yeah, a, a lot of it was slow and boring. I didn't give give it the attention it deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll definitely say that. But also, I really didn't like the music in this. I mean, Barbara Streisand's voice, amazing. She is a great singer. Nothing against her. She was great in this. The music I found just... It was just sort of say what you see and say what you feel. It was just sing your heart out and mm. everything's very literal, the, the things that she was singing. And also there were a lot of times where she was singing over other people talking, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which really got to me. Because it's like, I'm trying to pay attention, but you're just being noisy. <laughs> well, I was tra- <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? That's very fair. I was trying to think, like, can you think of another musical in which only one character gets to sing? <laughs> That's a good point. No, I can't. I can understand why they did it, because the whole point of this film is that she's a character who has a secret. Mm-hmm. And because she doesn't tell anyone her secret, she has to kind of express it through song. Otherwise, yeah. there's no way for the audience to kind of get how she's feeling. Yeah. But it- sometimes people did hear that she was singing. Sometimes they didn't. <laughs> yeah. That really annoyed me. <laughs> like, say, the very end of the film where she's on the boat. Mm-hmm. Mid-song, people are responding to her song. 
And then at the end, when she's really singing her heart out, like as the film closes, just no one's batting an eyelid. No, true. It's a lot of like, she'll start singing with her mouth and then it'll go into her head like mid-song. Mm. Yeah, I found that quite interesting. I think one thing that is a problem is that a lot of the songs kind of sound the same. Don't they just? <laughs> I mean, there's the one catchy song, uh-huh. which gets kind of repeated again in, in the final song. Papa, can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was good. Yeah. Yeah, but you're right. Other than that, all the songs did just, they, they were bland. Well, yeah, it's like you said, they're, they're not really individual songs. They're just kind of like, and this is what I'm feeling right now. I'm mm. expressing myself through song. But there's not like really catchy choruses. Yeah. Well, I think that part of it was that the lyrics were literally just saying what she sees. Yeah. Just like, oh, she's got a problem with her hair. <laughs> um, but- I miss that number. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was one that was very close to that. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, she's just com- the whole song was just about someone else's appearance. Oh, do you mean the bitchy "I don't like her ass" song? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was one of my favorites because it was so bitchy. Yeah, me like, too. <laughs> she's never had a thought in her head. <laughs> but songs like that, where it's just it, it's essentially a script yes. that's been turned into music, which means that there's no option for it to have any kind of recognizable melody. Sure. Like the songwriters clearly been given a script before they've written the song. Mm, that seems to be the case, yeah. Well, actually, apparently, I did read up on this, and apparently one of the reasons that the songs all sound the same is intentional, because it's all based on the teachings of the Talmud, which is the Jewish sacred text. Mm-hmm. I disclaimer, neither of us are Jewish, so if we get anything wrong, apologies. So apparently in the Talmud, each lesson is informed by the lesson that preceded it. So the idea is that the songs would all kind of sound the same because they'd all be like following on from each other, mm-hmm. which is a nice idea, but it doesn't it doesn't make for the most interesting musical score. I agree. No. There are moments you remember all your life. There are moments you wait for and dream of all your life. This is. One of those moments. It did blow my mind a little bit today when I was doing a little bit of research on this that uh, she was 41 when she made this film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How did that happen? Well, I mean, wow. Well done. Because <laughs> she's playing... How old is she supposed to be? She's always referred to as a girl. It's based but, on a book. Yeah. The story of Yentl is, is a short story. Uh, and in the book, she's 17. Okay. I think in the film, she aged her up to be in her mid-twenties, I think. But it's never spoken exactly how old she is. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, how old did you think she was? I mean, in the film, I don't mean it, how old do you think the, Barbara Streisand the, the, is. The character, I thought, was... Yeah, less than 25. Yeah. Well, I think Barbara Streisand would be very happy to hear that yeah. you uh, believed that, that you bought into that, because, yeah. This is something she wanted to do for a long time. Right. But she became super famous in the 60s, and this film got made in, like, 1983. Mm-hmm. And she was consistently very famous and successful in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. Mm-hmm. And it took her, like, 10 years, I think maybe, like, 13 years, actually, between first saying, I want to do this and be in this and starring it, to actually get someone to give her the money to do it. So, and so she wanted to do it when she was in her 20s. Yeah. At just about the right age. Yeah. And yet, when she hits two decades later... She sticks with it, yeah. It's very impressive. Yeah. And she absolutely pulled it off as well, which is, yeah, it's great. Yeah. I mean, I will say, I did feel like the lighting was a sporting character in the film. (laughs) Well, yes. (laughs) It was very, there was a lot of soft focus lighting in the film. (laughs) Yeah, my housemate did comment on it, just like, why are there three characters on screen right now? There's 
There's her, there's, there's Mandy, and there's the lights. Yeah. <laughs> Not only did she star in this, she also she directed it. Mm-hmm. She wrote the screenplay. Mm-hmm. And she's pretty much in every scene. Wrote the theme tune. Sang, sang the, the theme, theme tune. tune. This is a, that's a very Barbara Streisand <laughs> thing to do. So yeah, it was a real labour of love for her. And she kind of, it's, it's very much her project and her product that she mm-hmm. put out there. And yeah, it was very successful. Mm. One person who was a notable fan of this film was uh, Steven Spielberg. Okay. Steven Spielberg said of this film... It is the greatest directorial debut since Citizen Kane. Wow. So he was very much a fan of this film. Wow, clearly. Yeah. That being said, mm-hmm. he was at the time married to the woman who played Hadass. So oh, he, right, okay. he did have a slight... <laughs> <laughs> a little bit biased A little bit there. biased there, yeah. You're in the wrong place, miss. What? Books for women are over here. Novels, very romantic. I'd like to buy this one, please. Sacred books are for men. Why? It's a law, that's why. Where is it written? Never mind where, it's a law. Well, if it's a law, it must be written somewhere. Maybe in here, I'll take it. Miss, do me a favour. Do yourself a favour. Buy a nice picture book. Girls like picture books. What if I told you it's for my father? Why didn't you say? Fifteen copies. And if you want to know where that's written, it's inside the cover. So this film, Yentl, is set in the very early 1900s. I mean, 1904 opens it in Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. And Barbara Streisand plays Yentl, a young, question mark, young? <laughs> a young woman, unmarried, living with her father, who is uh, in a very observant, devout Jewish community, basically. Mm-hmm. And her father is a Jewish rabbi, I think. Yeah. Or He's certainly very much involved with the, the local synagogue. Mm-hmm. In, in this world, women are forbidden from learning. They can't study Talmud. There's a kind of a very heavy-handed opening scene where there's the bookseller going around with his cart going, picture books for women, sacred books for men. And it's, okay, we get it. But she doesn't want that. She really loves reading and studying and she lives to study and she's not interested in getting married or anything. She just wants to study. And so despite everyone pressuring her to get married, she isn't interested at all. And her father kind of indulges her. He allows her to study in secret. One thing I'll say for this actually, just up top, the cinematography was beautiful. All the scenes were so full. There were so many extras. Mm. Like, it really felt like a real place. Yeah, there were, actually, weren't there? Yeah. Apart from when it actually got into some of the songs, like the Papa Can You Hear Me thing, just mm-hmm. like it was on a stage. Oh, yeah, there were, yeah. And, and then I was thinking, wait, has this been a, a stage musical in the past? I think it is now, but I think it was a musical after it was a okay. film. But yeah, I know what you mean. Like, there's a few scenes like that, but like, there's a lot of crowd scenes where it really feels like you're in a village. And they did mm-hmm. shoot it in, I think, Czechoslovakia at the time. Mm-hmm. So she's studying with her father, not really interested in getting married. And then her father dies because he's very old. And then she's left alone. And so faced with the possibility that she's going to have to go and just work for another woman in another household. And eventually she will have to get married because she has no possessions and presumably doesn't have a lot of money, if any. She decides to disguise herself. She cuts off her hair. And she... (laughs) Sorry, I I love the scene because she just grabbed a lock of hair, pulled it out directly sideways, cuts it dead in the middle. Not like short, close to her head or something, just dead in the middle in a straight line. And then the next scene, she's got this perfect bob. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's be real. She was not convincing as a boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It it was like she was the Jewish Clark Kent. (laughs) It didn't help that every other man had a beard. Yeah. Everybody else had like a really thick beard mm. and she had absolutely nothing because no. you know, obviously she's a woman. But yeah. Well, they addressed that. Like Avigdor does say, oh, my brother never had a beard. His, his beard never came in either. Mm. But yeah, it is weird how nobody ever suspects. Yeah. Like when she looks so womanly. Yeah. Like, and Barbara Streisand doesn't even really deepen her voice particularly. No, not, not even slightly. No. So she has this really high pitched voice and 
the face of a woman. <laughs> she just taps around short hair and she's wearing boys' clothes. And I mean, I guess you have to just go with it. You know, it's it's a simpler time. You know, it's not something anyone would be on the lookout for. You wouldn't think any woman would ever dream of doing such a thing. But it is just, it is kind of, especially as the plot develops, it became quite comical to me that, like, nobody ever questioned. <laughs> yeah. With all the different relationships that are going on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it is. It's like Clark Kent. It's like he takes off his glasses. It's, it's, it's just that. Yeah. But yeah, so she leaves her f- home village. Uh, dressed as a boy and goes to study at a yeshiva, which mm-hmm. is a Jewish seminary, I guess, a Jewish school for boys. Okay. Or for men. It was clearly men. Young men, but men. And uh, she befriends a very sexy man called Avigdor, played by Mandy Patinkin. Mm-hmm. They become friends. And it, yeah, it gets... This is another reason I found this film interesting, because the word gay is never uttered in this film. And the idea of homosexuality doesn't really... It, it's never brought up. Again, in these kind of ultra-devout communities, that would be absolutely unthinkable but at the same time people would still think it even if it's not allowed people mm-hmm. might question it but nobody ever yeah that doesn't come up and yet yeah the relationship with Avigdor and Yentl is it's super homoerotic <laughs> I mean well, like no, nobody is gay because I was very much getting sort of confused vibes from him yeah like, I think he says like, it, well to be fair he says at the end um, I thought there was something wrong with me so yeah, it does slightly kind of acknowledge it yeah yeah so he fancies her but he, mm. he's just a bit confused mm-hmm yeah, it's not obviously a gay thing because it is a woman, mm. but it is this weird homoerotic thing from his perspective. And, you know, it is a man as a, and a woman dressed as a man, mm. kind of, and he thinks she's a man. And then they're like, you know, they're sharing a bed together. And when he says, get into bed. <laughs> oh my God, I had to cross my legs. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh, have a door. Get in bed. Would you like to talk a little before? Bed. Why don't I just put the Get lab? in bed. Yeah, they're just very touchy-feely with each other, and mm-hmm. he's very fond of her, and she's obviously falls in love with him very quickly. Mm-hmm. They, they move to another village together, and they're, they're studying together, and they just have this amazing bond where they're both super into studying, and they're both the two best students in the town, I think, and she just falls head over heels in love with him, basically. There's lots of scenes of her kind of having these intense philosophical, theological discussions with him, intercut with scenes of her alone in a bedroom singing into a mirror, like, but I'm a woman, dramatically clutching at her breasts. Yeah. Like, I'm a woman. <laughs> Look. Yeah. I was wondering, that the, that scene where she does get undressed in a mirror or something, and she starts unwinding the, oh, well, she's, the, the piece uh, of material she, yeah, she's, well, she's got. Yeah, where she's, like, yeah. padded her breasts down, yeah. I was wondering how far they were going to go with that, because with each layer she untook, it got more and more transparent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, did you think we were going to get, a, a, like, a topless scene? Like? Yeah, I thought we were going to get a topless scene, but no, we got one layer away from a topless scene, but... Yeah. You could see everything anyway. Yeah. It's weird. I don't think Barbara Streisand does nipple. I guess not, no. no. There's all these kind of homoerotic scenes. But then he's he's also in love with this girl, Hadass, played by Amy Irving, mm-hmm. who is uh, Steven Spielberg's ex-wife now, but at the time. I think they were dating at the time, and then they got married afterwards, and then they got divorced like 10 years after that. But anyway, they were definitely in a relationship at this point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so he's in love with this girl, Hadass, who's from another very like observant Jewish family. They're engaged to be married, but then the engagement is called off when it is revealed that Avigdor's brother committed suicide mm-hmm. which causes Hadassah's parents to call off the marriage because they believe that anyone who's has a sibling or a relative who's committed suicide is living under like the evil eye or something so mm-hmm. it's, it's a bad omen so he's heartbroken so instead he kind of hatches a scheme so that Arnshul Yentl Arnshul is her boy name mm-hmm. should marry Hadass instead because then she'd he, be like it's, it's as good as being married to her myself you know my best friend and my and my love, and they can be married, you can be married. And, and um, so that's his plan. 
Sure. <laughs> Do you mean I disagree? I feel like Avigdor was a really kinky bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he definitely fancied both of them. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, if they're fucking each other, it's like the fucking me. Like, I don't know. It is a bit of a weird kinky setup, even if you take away the gender kind of. It confusion. was all very strange. I thought that the film was sort of building towards like a threesome. Yeah. For for a while, but then no, it clearly didn't. Um, <laughs> disappointing. Yeah. What are you talking Will you about? listen? No, I don't want to listen. You see, it's fate. It's meant to Nothing's be. Nothing's meant to be. We make what's meant to Honestly, be. The thought of her with another man is driving me crazy. Aren't don't I another man? Yes, but not a total stranger. You marrying her would be the nearest thing to me marrying. I don't her. want to discuss it any further. Think of her for a moment. They may marry her off to someone she doesn't even know, let alone love. She could never love me. So she could never love you. She likes you. She's comfortable with you. I could see her. I could visit you both. The three of us I'm could be together. You're talking like a madman. But someone may take her away from me. I never see her again. What did you think of the the scene that happened when they're supposed to consummate their their wedding, their marriage? Oh yeah, so that was that was when the films became like a different kind of film, didn't it? They became kind of almost like a farce. Like it was, yeah, it was kind of really funny. So Yentl agrees to marry Hadass, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just such a weird decision. Like I understand it. Like the film just tries it because she's so in love with Avigdor, and Avigdor is basically saying that he's. Because he's so heartsick over Hadass, he's going to leave forever. So mm. basically in desperation to make sure that this person that she's so in love with just st- at least stays in her life. Yeah. She agrees to marry Hadass. But yeah, it, it's... I mean, it's not a smart decision. <laughs> it's No, I mean, she's already in too deep. And she's just getting herself in deep. Because deeper. everybody she knows knows her as a man. Yeah. And she's not a man. And she's having these sticky situations like when they go skinny dipping and she's like, oh no, I can't. I'm, I can't swim. And Oh, that was one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. <laughs> I laughed so much. There's something about Barbara Streisand's delivery sometimes. When she when she walks around the corner and sees all the naked men in the lake and she just goes, <laughs> she just goes oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> But just that scene in the in the room after their wedding, it was it was a bit weird because I guess it started off like as expected, where the what's her name Hadass, where one. yeah, where Hadass is just expecting to okay, well now I've got to do exactly what you say, mm. and we're going to have sex, and this is going to be you know my first time having sex, and I hope it's good for you. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Yentl then starts just educating her, which was, which was great. I really liked that. Yeah. I didn't like how the whole scene just ended in a pillow fight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought re- that was really funny. I mean, it, it was funny because it was, it was certainly in good spirits. It was just like, hey, we don't need to have sex. Just do whatever you want. Let's it's, just frolic. Yeah, let's yeah. just have fun. Yeah. But just the fact that fun is uh, two women in a bedroom having a pillow fight just sure. felt a little bit weird. <laughs> I thought it was sweet. But also it's because basically Yentl's plan, such as it is, well, first she tells Hadass that Hadass doesn't need to allow her husband to sleep with her. She's like, you can make the decision. Mm. It's like, the Talmud says that a woman can deny a man, and if you want to deny me, then by all means. <laughs> she's really stolen yeah. for time. But she also, she's, <laughs> like, but she's also like, well, because I know you're really in love with Avigdor, and isn't it sad that you can't be together? But, mm. you know. So she kind of convinced, she almost like gaslights Hadass into thinking, oh yeah, maybe I'm not ready for sex. Mm. You're a very considerate man, aren't you? Only because I know you're thinking of someone else. Well, any woman would be, wouldn't she? I mean, who was close to her. You're very understanding. It's only natural that you wish you were here instead of me. Don't you? But you're my husband. So the thing is, the thing is, Sadas, uh, because you're still thinking of Avigdor, I... 
I can't let you commit any unnecessary sin. Sin? Yes, it's very clearly written that a woman cannot give herself to one man while she's still thinking of another. You didn't know that? No. It's a terrible sin, believe me. So tonight we'll do what you want, which is nothing, I understand. I don't know what I want. Well, when you do, you must let me know. Yentl manages to delay the consummation of the wedding Mm -hmm. pretty much indefinitely. Yes. Yeah. So. Which was weird, actually, because there were a couple of scenes before that where I really thought that they were going to get romantic. Yeah. The two of them. When Yentl's sitting down to a meal mm. just by themselves and her ass is, is waiting on them and then they, they go through to the couch and they sit down together and they're getting quite close and the, the light gets very soft again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, I really thought that they were about to kiss in that scene. Yeah. And then they didn't. And so I thought that something was going to happen a bit later on and there was going to be a bit of a homosexual element to it, but they just, sure. it completely wasn't. This is where I started to like the Hadass character, because for the first half of the movie, she is so boring and <laughs> passive. Like, well, she, she she just doesn't speak. No, exactly. Yeah. She has nothing to it. And I guess that's... And in, in, in most of it, in fact, she's the scenes that we're seeing are essentially just a description from someone else. Yes. So someone else's interpretation. Yeah, she's just walking around, like, you know, serving food and drinks, and then Barbara Streisand is just singing in her head, like, look at her, the pretty thing, not a thought inside her head. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's fair enough. There's, and I guess that is kind of true of the, you know, the, the, the position of women at the time. It's like a contrast to Yentl, who's really intellectual. And that's why she doesn't want to give up being a boy because being a boy allows her to be intelligent and to talk and to have real a real experience. Mm-hmm. Whereas she sees femininity as being this very like beaten down kind of you know submissive character who doesn't really have any kind of stimulation. Mm-hmm. But I did I, I really appreciated this part of the film where her dust just gets increasingly horny. <laughs> yeah. It, I found it really funny and charming. Like it did have this weird thing where she's because initially like Yentl puts her off by teaching instead of having sex every night. They're just te- she's teaching her Talmud, mm-hmm. so she's teaching Hadass how to read and to study, etc., which is what she's more comfortable with. Mm. And then Hadass is like going along with it, so you know, to, she's basically you know playing along for the sake of her husband. But after a while, she's like, okay, I'm ready to have sex now. Like, mm. I'm done learning. Let's let's get down to let's get down to business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I found that really charming and funny. Yeah, it was, it was just good. it was very sweet. But obviously, it can't happen because she'd find out. Mm-hmm. Like it was insane to me that she never suspected. I know. Like they're sharing a room. Like, <laughs> And how long are they supposed to be married for? Is it, it, it just, does this film take place over a matter of weeks, days, months, years? I, I don't know. <laughs> Another thing we're not mentioned about the disguise, the fact that Yentl is still wearing very feminine makeup. Oh, yeah. Well, again, that's Barbara Streisand <laughs> trying I, to look 26 I, when she's 40, yeah. Yeah, I guess. But I'm sure there's other ways that you can do makeup that don't look ultra-feminine. Yeah. Like with rosy cheeks and everything. Sure, yeah. <laughs> no, I think that is probably comes down to, like, vanity. I think a little bit. Yeah. But then eventually, towards the end of the film, Yentl realizes that she she can't keep this deception up any longer. She's reached the end of the road, so she has to just tell Avigdor the truth. Mm-hmm. So her and Avigdor go on. A, she leaves Hadass at home, telling her nothing. Is that the last time we see Hadass? By the way, uh, apart from a slight, a little flashback scene at the end, yes. So does Hadass still believe that she's married? Well, no. She ends up with Avigdor, doesn't she? Well, we'll get to that. Sure, I, I seem to have missed a few bits here. Carry on. Okay, so Yentl goes on a road trip with Avigdor, the sharing room, and then she, in a very kind of over-the-top melodramatic scene, she confesses that uh, her name's not Anshul, it's Yentl. I'm a woman! Like, it's, it's very, like, full-on and intense. Mm-hmm. And he's... It takes him a long time to accept it. It really does. Well, it would, wouldn't it? I guess it well, yeah, I guess if you've gone this far. Like, yeah. <laughs> you would have felt like, oh, of course, like, what's your terrible secret? Oh, this explains everything. But he just won't accept it. He's like, how can you be a woman? How? Like, well, 
well, look at me. But uh, and she, she basically let me take my glasses off. Yeah, it's not. Well, he doesn't believe it till she till she takes her top off. Mm. I mean, we don't see the the boobs, but mm. we presume he does. he does. He does. I think is the, is the yeah. inference. So yeah, and he gets very very angry. This is a scene that I thought was interesting because he gets he he calls her a demon. And he says, mm. you've broken Torah every day. You know, you've broken the sacred rules. You know, And she has. Like, I mean, mm. I have no time for religious for religious texts and stuff. But I mean, in the context of the film. Because the, she's set up at the beginning of the film as this very kind of spiritual person who's like, who lives to study the Torah, which is like the Jewish mm-hmm. Bible. But once she decides to be a to be a boy, like, you never get the sense that she's conflicted mm. over the fact that she's like, quote unquote, sinning. Yeah, that's true. It's all about, maybe it's just because she falls so in love with Avigdor that she... She actually, I think she loves learning more than she actually loves God. Mm-hmm. And I think she loves Avigdor more than she loves God. But I don't think they ever... They, I think the film would be more interesting if they let her grapple with that a little bit. And they don't really. They just kind of put it to one side. He asks, you know, why did you do this? Why? And she says, because I, I was in love with you. And then he kind of softens a little bit. And then he then he admits that he had feelings for her too. And he was he's, now he's really relieved because he realises that, you know, all these things he thought were... You know, something wrong with him, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he realizes that it was it was a woman all along, and, and and he even proposes that they run away together and get married. But he says that she has to, she'd have to then live as a woman, and he can't understand why she would want to continue to live as a man and to study Torah. She realizes that he's never going to be able to see her as an equal. So she she says the marriage to Hadass can be nullified because it was never a real wedding because it's two women. Mm-hmm. So then he can go back and he can then marry Hadass, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what happens. So the film ends with. Them kind of saying goodbye. Avigdor goes back to Hadass, and uh, Yentl goes off to a better place. She doesn't die. She um, <laughs> she, um, she, she, she ends she, on a boat. She she goes to America. Yeah, which, well, she goes to America. I mean, in, some, in some people's eyes, it is yeah, fate worse than death. Mm. But you're right. Like we didn't really see Hadass learning what had happened. No, like I, I was expecting a whole sort of coming out scene to Hadass as well. Yeah, I feel like Hadass was really ill served by this film. Yeah, me too. I want justice. From her perspective, I guess does Avigdor go back to the, their town and say, "Oh, whoops, you married a lesbian." <laughs> yeah. Like you know, oh, your marriage is over. You're not going to see Anshul anymore because he's actually a woman and your marriage wasn't real and he's left forever. But now I can marry you. So hooray! Yeah. Like, I'd be so pissed. <laughs> She's been like tricked. Well, into... it depends how horny you are. I guess true. But I mean, she was real. But the first thing she initially she was in love with Avigdor, but then she kind of became genuinely attracted to. Arnshul slash gentle. Mm-hmm. So then she's got to deal with the fact that she was married to another woman, was sexually attracted to that woman. Yeah, and both her husband, wife, ex-husband, mm-hmm. and her future husband, Avigdor, we assume they get married, mm-hmm. have both manipulated her horribly. Because he was in he was in on the whole marry mm-hmm. even though he didn't know that Yentl was a woman, he was still in on the whole marry this person so that we can be so that I can still have some connection to her. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I feel like she was bizarrely okay with that. Like, I really wanted to see a scene where she takes all that in and has to, like, deal with it. But, mm. I mean, I guess it's not her story. Yeah, I, I guess not. But The closing the title of the film. But it's a shame. It re- The film really does just kind of draw a veil over. Mm. It, it wraps things up very neatly at the end. Yeah. And it, it's weird that they miss things out of this film mm-hmm. when the film itself is two and a quarter hours long. Yeah. And there's not... If you, I know we've spent a while talking about the plot, but the plot's actually pretty thin. Yeah. It, there's not a lot of events. It's like, you know... Woman dresses as boy. Woman falls in love with other man. Woman marries woman. Woman leaves. Like it, it's not a lot for a mm. two and a half hour film, but mm. yeah, it's it does wrap things up quite quickly in the end. 
So, uh, yeah, and then the film ends with, as you just mentioned, Yentl is on the boat to America, mm-hmm. where she sings the big climactic song of the film. I mean, what did you think of this song at the end? Well, see, this one, this was the prime example of sometimes people notice, sometimes people don't notice that she's mm-hmm. singing, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the age-old question of musicals. Sure. Is, does anybody else know you're singing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this one was a bit inconsistent with that. And then also, the song went on a bit, and it had false finishes. <laughs> oh, I love the false finish! <laughs> Like, what? Because I've been waiting not just two and a half hours. <laughs> I took breaks through this film. Yeah. So I've been waiting about four hours for this film to be finished. Meanwhile, my housemates are packing up my house because I'm moving house at the moment and I'm feeling guilty for not helping out. And I'm watching this film because I got to for the podcast. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy bits of it, don't worry. And then it's just building to the end. And like, is, is this the end? Is this the end? She's still singing. <laughs> it's a long note. Okay, this is it's the last note. Oh, another verse. All right, okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and mean, then the camera pans out for like five miles or something. Yeah. And then the credits come. She's still singing. She's still holding How that one she? note, yeah. How is she doing that? <laughs> that amazing voice. I guess, yeah. Like butter. Um, <laughs> it is, there's something really funny to me. And I do feel like this song at the end was like... Because the, char- the thing is, cause it's a musical... But the character isn't established as a musical character. Mm. Like, she's not a musician. So she's singing because that's how we get her internal monologue, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the character is... There's no talk about music in the film. And this song, this end song, because it was so, like, big and dramatic and belty, mm. it felt like this was just, oh, the film's going to end with Barbara Streisand doing a big Barbara Streisand yeah. show tune. Like, <laughs> it didn't feel like the character. Because the character, mm. suddenly she's, like, wearing, like, a much more feminine, you know, she's wearing, like, a big heavy fur coat mm-hmm. and a hat and, and she's belting out this tune, you know. And, it, yeah, it just feels like the film ends with, oh, and now she's Barbara Streisand. It's mm. not now she's gentle. It's like, oh, now it's Barbara Streisand. Yeah. And, yeah, there is something, I, I really like that song, A Piece of Sky. And it's very vocally impressive. I think that mm. note she holds at the end, she holds for like 17 seconds or something ludicrous. Like, it's it's absurd. Yeah. But there is something, to me, I do find it quite f- comical. When, when I don't know if you find this, when p- singers hold one note and there's no variation, it's not it's just, just they, hit that, they hold that note for too long. Mm-hmm. Papa, I can see you. Papa, I can There's something about that that I just find unintentionally really funny because yeah. it, it sounds so unnatural. Yeah, I don't know. So it just ended on kind of a funny note for me because mm. she's just standing. As you say, no one's noticing what she's doing. They're just all all these people, all these old people in fur coats reading the newspapers, and suddenly this crazy bitch is just like belting out this <laughs> giant Jesse J note for ages. Like, <laughs> I love you describing her as a crazy bitch. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, at this point, she is. But that essentially that is where the film ends, mm. and that is uh, that gentle. Mm-hmm. Shall we get to some drinking games? Yeah. Drink every time Gentle looks into a mirror. Ooh. There's rooms with multiple mirrors in them. Yeah, it's <laughs> like she's in like a mirror maze. Sometimes, yeah. like, sometimes she'll just be all mirrors. Like it's just Barbara Streisand wherever you look. Yeah, basically, which I think is her dream. But yeah, I think it's always like with the real soft focus lighting, and she'll be singing into the mirror. Like you know, every I think every song she sings, apart from the last one, she's looking into a mirror while she sings it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Drink when the singing means you can't hear what's going on. This really annoyed you, didn't it? Yes! 
interrupting a perfectly good conversation. Yeah. <laughs> about, like, the food that they were serving or something. I don't know, but yeah. it might be interesting. I couldn't hear it. The moment she sees him, her thought is to please him. Horseradish is just good for you. Before he even knows that he's hungry, she's already there with his plate. Before his glass is even empty, she's filling it up. God forbid he should wait. Before he has Who's the, the chance to tell her here? he's chilly, she'll go put Ancho. a log on the fire. Ancho. Fulfilling his every desire. More bread, please. Drink for the word papa. Oh, Double drink if it's sung. <laughs> good one, good one. Yeah. I think this next one's just for me. Okay. Uh, drink when you don't know what's going on. Well, uh, yeah, okay, so what, at what point did you lose the plot? When she married a woman. I I, had to, I just didn't get what was going on there. I know now. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I, just, I, I guess I missed the point where you... No, it still doesn't make sense to me. You marry her, and then I get to spend time with her. Yeah. Well, he says... I mean, it's not the most well-thought-through plan in the world. No. Which is why I think he was just a bit of an old kinky bisexual, basically. <laughs> yeah, the, the idea was that, okay, so he's been banned from marrying this woman he's in love with, Avigdor. So I think in desperation, he says, well, at least if... You're my best friend. She's the love of my life. Mm-hmm. If you two get married, then it's the next best thing for me. You know what I mean? At least then... Cause oh, I, guess, I, I understand it now. Yeah. yeah I've got it. But... Uh, yeah, from misunderstanding that while watching the film, everything afterwards is based off that plot point. True, true, true. So okay. then I just had no idea what was going on. And, oh, now she's on a boat. What's she doing there? This might be because you like stopped and started the film so many times. Well, that might yeah. be a factor. Like, yeah. yeah, still. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. Drink for homoerotic Anshul Avigdor moments. Sure, yeah. Yeah, you know, when they're rolling around in the grass together or when they're sharing a bed together. Or, mm-hmm. um, or, or of course, the lakeside scene, which is easily... One of the highlights of the film. Mm-hmm, sure. <laughs> admit it. Admit you're wrong. Admit it. Admit it. I will not. I'm not wrong. Admit it. Get off me. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Uh, drink when someone talks over Barb when she's going. Barb. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, when she's going off on some big philosophical rant. Oh, okay. She often gets interrupted quite a lot. True. Do you mean like in the yeshiva scenes when they're all like debating about the Torah and stuff? Or? There's that. There's just times in in a bedroom with Mandy Patinkin. Mm-hmm. It's just all sorts. People just don't listen to her. True. Well, she does hold her own though. Yes. I think it's more just like the culture is to have these very intense debates. A lot of them was just like... I don't want to talk about that like right now. Let's oh. talk about something else. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's well, not, it's not, of... yeah, it's not debating, it's interrupting. Oh, I see lots of denial, yeah. Okay, that's true, that's true. Okay, that's good. So, should we talk about Patreon? Guess we should. So, we're on Patreon, <laughs> if you would like... <laughs> raise, raise the energy a bit, Harry, come on. So, we're on Patreon. Yes. Um, if you would like to support the show, because you enjoy it. Do you enjoy it? You should enjoy it. We're good. You can support the show by donating a little bit of money towards it. So that's all available on patreon.com slash beyondtheboxset. You can donate as much or as little as you want. And we have we have a few bonuses there, mm-hmm. which are available to everybody, no matter how much or little you donate. So first off, we have a bonus show called Beyond Beyond the Box Set, where we review films that are in the cinema right now. Mm-hmm. And also, once a month, we will advertise something for you. We'll pick one of our patrons. They will nominate something they want advertised. It could be their own podcast. Could be their own business. Could be Danny Minogue, Neon Knights, LP. Mm-hmm. You bought this like two weeks ago. You still not opened it. I'm not going to open it. I'm going to hang it up. It's for display purposes. 
Right. Okay. Tell me about this, John. What, what, what is this? This is the classic 2003 Danny Minogue album, Neon Nights, which has recently been reissued on Pink Vinyl, limited edition. Mm-hmm. I love this album. It's one of my very favourites. So I bought the limited edition and I'm planning to get it framed and hang it up somewhere in the flat alongside my other very classy vinyl and you know, music mm. decorations in this flat. Oh, lovely. Great. Well, that'll, um, that'll go well with your other Danny Minogue things. Yeah. Are those other two Danny Minogue as well? Uh, no, I have, so I have three picture discs on my wall, one of which is Danny Minogue, then there's also a Grace Jones and a Siobhan Donoghue one. Uh, yeah, I am worried, a little bit worried about the flat looking like a Danny Minogue shrine. <laughs> I don't want to go too far with that. But uh, yeah. Just throw that across the room. It's oh, a collectible, John. It's, it's a collectible. It's shrink-wrapped and it was onto a sofa. It'll be fine. <laughs> Anyway, that's the kind of advertising calibre you can get uh, yes. on the box set. So basically, if you support us on Patreon for any amount from $2 a month to $15,000 a month, you choose. Whatever you donate, once a month you will get a free 30-second ad slot to promote anything you like, whether it's your podcast or some random piece of shit, such as a Danny Minogue coloured vinyl. We will advertise it better than some random piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, and also, once a month, one of our patrons can choose a film for us, mm-hmm. which we would love it if you if, if that patron would uh, guest on the show as well. Yeah. Which we can do over Skype as well, if you're not local to Leeds. Sure. Also, a uh, new thing that we're kind of trialling, I guess, is that you can if there's a film that doesn't fit with our format, so a film that's in a franchise, already has a sequel, or a film that you don't think would work on Beyond the Box Set, but you would like us to watch it and review it, you can ask us to and we will do a review for it on our bonus show beyond beyond the box set we recently did a review of the paddington movie for mm-hmm. uh, one of our patrons so yeah that's you can literally make us watch anything for us just for two dollars a month or two pounds a month you can literally force us to watch anything and record a review about it how good is that not anything let's be honest most things most things most no. things not anything but most things yeah, yeah i'm not watching any snuff movies no okay John. no snuff movies no no not with john the least Hey, Drew, what are you doing Wednesdays? Wednesdays? You know, specifically on Wednesdays, I watch movies. Oh, I like to talk about movies. You want to talk about them? Talk about them? Why don't we record? Talk oh my about gosh, them? like a podcast. Definitely like a podcast. Ah, oh, and we could have the reels and the feels. But what would we call it? How about the Real Feels Podcast? I love we can, it. We can talk about the best parts of the movies, the worst parts of the movies, our favorite lines. Every other Wednesday? On like Podbean and iTunes? I'll see you there. All right, it will be the realist. The feelist. All that is available at patreon.com slash set. Yes. Thank you very much. Right, sequels. Okay. Mine's quite small this, this week because I've really struggled with this. That's so right. I've come up with a concept for a TV show and this is the first episode, essentially. Okay, sure. So it's going to be a sequel to the film. Okay. Um, I do not have a cast for Barbara Streisand's character, so... Maybe you could help with that. I seem to have everyone else, but I just couldn't pick. She's very hard to replace. She's yeah. so unique. I had the same problem because she's, I mean, this film is like 37 or 38 years old now. It came out in 1983. 35 years old. 35 years old, sure. Who is the new Barbara Streisand? I don't think there is one. No. Well, I mean, okay. I, what... I Googled it. Not even Google knows. Who is the new Barbara Streisand? Mm. It, it then um, came up with a question. Uh, it then said, people also ask, how did Barbara Streisand die? Well, she didn't. She's still alive and well. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the only thing I could think you could maybe do is cast Lady Gaga. Okay. Because she's a modern, you know, pop sensation. Yeah. She does music, she does films. Also, she is currently 
starring in a film called A Star Is Born, which is a remake of a film that was also made by Barbara Streisand in the 70s. Mm-hmm. I'll take Gaga. Cool. Yeah. Uh, she might fit with his, actually. Okay. Um, okay, so it's called Yentl, Master of Disguise. Okay. So Yentl has arrived in America, in New York, with a song. With a song? Mm-hmm. Okay. In her heart, or...? <laughs> Oh, no, quite outwardly. Okay. Pe- people are staring at her as she sings, sings her way down the street. Great. Um, and she quickly realises that she absolutely does not fit in, not just because she she's a woman, but also because she has a strong accent, which people are not used to. Bear sure. in mind, it's the early 1900s in New York. Sure. Yeah. By she, strong accent, do you mean like a strong Eastern European accent? Yeah. Which in this film she does not have, but... Well, I mean, it, it, it was a film that was made for... English a, a, a certain target audience, yeah. Like, sure. There's so many films set abroad where... People that are speaking with a heavy German accent in English. Sure. Even though they're supposed to be German. Yeah. So her song is all about sticking out in, sure. in, in New York and then how she's struggling. She eventually works out how she can fit in a bit. Okay. Um, she decides to whip out the man costume again. Right. She's, sure. com- she's comfortable with that now. She, she can do that confidently. Yeah. The accent work, that's where she's having a bit of trouble. Okay. So I guess Lady Gaga trying out a few different accents to try and fit in with early 1900s New York. Any examples of the kind of accent she might be trying? You're trying it like that, John. That's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I don't even know. Come on, give me a good New York accent. I, I, I can't. No? No. All right. So she manages to get by, and she starts building a life for herself in Brooklyn. Okay. With a job in an Italian restaurant as a chef. Okay. She even starts a, uh, a Manny Patinkin-style sort of not relationship with one of the waiters. So cool. she's still disguised as a boy? Yeah. And she's in a relationship with another boy? I mean, by relationship, I mean in the same way that she was with Manny Patinkin in the first film. Like, so it's just kind not, of a bit not flirty, really but nothing's really happening. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. A boy called Frank, um, and I thought I'd cast Timothy Chalamet in this. Sure, okay. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Well, I mean, he's not as hot as Manny Patinkin, but <laughs> it's a high bar. I'm sure. <laughs> really? You're that, you're that much into Mandy? I thought he was, like, not in general, but in this film I was like, my God, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Sure, okay. <laughs> what about in The Princess Bread? Oh, he is in that. Yeah, yeah, no, I think he definitely falls under the category of someone who's in my type, yeah. What about Homeland? Oh, so I've not really watched Homeland, so I couldn't tell you. Okay, well, he's old. Well, yeah, I know what he looks like now. <laughs> he's aged pretty well. Like, you know, but yeah, sure. Yeah, cool, whatever works for you. Okay, so a few months later, the restaurant is attacked by a local gang with a massive shootout. Sure. She goes to take cover in the kitchen, along with Frank, but before they can get there, he gets shot a few times in the back. Okay. She holds him as in, in her arms as the life leaves his body, but she doesn't reveal her final secret to him. Oh, no. Quite an emotional scene. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yikes. She, along with the, the rest of the staff, the surviving staff, are taken hostage by this gang mm-hmm. for unknown reasons. And uh, to relieve her stress, she sings a song about how scared she is. By the way, this is kind of a black comedy. I don't know what I'm doing here. A black... Okay, it's interesting. Okay, I, I, I'm interesting. Okay, so, so she sings a song about how scared she is, how much she misses her, her Frank, and uh, how the fact that being a woman from Eastern Europe is no longer her biggest problem um, is, uh, like, relieving or something. Okay. Then the camera zooms out to reveal that everyone is staring at her and she's actually just been singing out loud. Right, Okay. And so has accidentally just revealed her bigger secret. And she doesn't realise she was doing it? No. Okay. And so a moment later, there is more gunfire outside, and then silence. A large man, casting-wise, I could only think of Robert De Niro, sure. um, walks in wearing a fancy suit with a fedora. Mm-hmm. Classic early 1900s gangster costume. Okay, yeah. I would hope. And five gunmen follow him in. The man of the restaurant goes up to this man and thanks him by kissing his ring. It turns out this is... <laughs> 
This is the mob boss who owns the restaurant. Okay, are we getting a Godfather crossover here? Sort of, yes. Okay. And they've just been involved in some gang warfare. The manager says to the boss, Don Tribbiani, I think I've found a person you need to take down your enemies. Well, what What do you mean? That one there, says the manager, pointing at Yentl. They fooled me for months, pretending to be a man from New York, when actually, that's something quite different. <laughs> a master of disguise. Just what I need. And so the boss takes Yentl under his wing and introduces her into the world of gangs. Oh. The following episodes are going to be infiltrating different different gangs and different types. Maybe over quite a long time period as well, okay. like decades even. So it's um, like Yentl Master Assassin. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. With a heavy Godfather vibe. Okay. So it's going to be a TV musical mm-hmm. about a cross-dressing assassin, <laughs> Eastern European assassin yes. who likes to break it out into song. Gaga could pull it off. No, I, I'm intrigued by this. I can't think of anything comparable to that. Like, that's not a show I've seen. Right, I think that'd be really interesting. Or a massive train wreck. Oh, it could be awful. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that would could very easily just be dreadful, but I would be eating it with a spoon. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, so is it going to be like a case of the week kind of thing, like Quantum Leap, where it's just every week there's a new person she has to bump off? Or is it going to that's be like a... kind of what I was thinking, yeah. Okay. And there's going to be a lot of quite crazy disguises. Sure. Oh, it's not always just going to be a man then? Is it going to be just any kind of disguise? Oh, yeah, any kind of disguise. So one week she has to assassinate someone in a zoo, so she has to dress up as like a zookeeper or something? Oh, yeah, stuff like that. That, yeah. that, that could work, yeah. Different, different identities. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. She could be a boy or a girl, depending on how the situation requires it. Yeah, Gaga is flexible. Yeah. Is there an end game for it? Is she, is she going to start off as a villain and then beco- and find her way back to being a good character, or is she just going to be an anti-hero through the whole thing? Or? Wait, why is she starting off as a villain? Well, she's working for the, the mob. She's working for a mob? Might be the good. Oh, it could mob. be a good. Oh, there's a good mob. Yeah, maybe. Oh, okay, sure. Or maybe she, maybe she's the villain throughout, like Breaking Bad, for example. Okay, it's oh, because like, cause, like he's he's the villain throughout, isn't he? Sure, sure. But then there's other villains involved. So Yentl just becomes progressively more evil. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Reflecting Robert Streisand's own kind of progression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I think that's interesting. I think yeah. there's definitely something there. I can see that happening. Would maybe it- as like a like a final boss in the last episode. It is Barbara Streisand. Ooh, ooh, yes. Would it be Barbara Streisand playing Barbara Streisand or Barbara Streisand playing like a, some kind of old mob matriarch? Uh, I think playing someone. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's like a uh, a character that you, that's, that's got a code name. Sure. It's like a man's name. Mm-hmm. Code so, name Evergreen. So something, yeah, sure. Yeah. And so you're expecting somebody who's not Barbara Streisand and then, yeah, big reveal. Boom, it's a... Boom, it's Streisand. Okay. And she enters the scene with a, with a bit of a bang and a song and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, uh, it's okay. got something. It's got... It would be crazy to see that TV show. Yeah, yeah, it needs some development, but no, I think that's a, that's a viable pilot that might get picked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, your turn. Hit me. I thought you'd never ask. Okay, so... Uh... I've also gone with a direct sequel. Mm-hmm. I also couldn't think of anyone I could possibly recast as Barbara Streisand. I guess it could be Lady Gaga, but I kind of like the idea of just keeping it as Barbara Streisand. Mm. Even though it happens like directly after the first film and she's like 76 now. Mm. Yeah. I feel- yeah, that was my issue. I, I, I really tried to make a way that I could make mine like 30 odd years later. Yeah. Well, if she can be 40 and play 26, mm. maybe she can be like 76 and playing like 
28 28 yeah <laughs> <laughs> just that light just really turn up the contrast like <laughs> just like a blur just a blur. <laughs> so as we discussed the original movie ends with Yentl on a boat is it ever specified that she's going to America or do we just kind of assume uh, you told me that by text oh yeah I did okay sure <laughs> well I'm pretty sure that's what it's supposed to be uh, sure yeah but for the purposes of my story the title of which I'm going to reveal later. Uh, but for the purposes of my story, I'm saying that maybe maybe she decided she was going to go to America. That was her dream. Mm-hmm. She's going to seek a new life in America. But maybe on the way she got waylaid or she discovered that she actually couldn't afford a ticket to America. One way or another, something went wrong. Yeah. And so instead she ends up in England in like 1910 or something. I think, well, the film starts in 1904. Mm-hmm. And it's never clear how much time passes. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say maybe the film takes place over a year or two, and then so maybe like okay, maybe it's like 1906, 1907. Anyway, yeah. So it's the early 1900s, and she ends up in England in her early 30s, in her own early 30s. Yes, yeah. Looking fantastic. Yeah. She gets to England, but her dream is still to get to America. This is definitely just a stopping point. So she's in England, and while she's there, she's really struggling to make make ends meet. So she has to obviously look for work. Uh, and so she applies for a job as a maid in a wealthy Downton Abbey-style family household. Okay. And it's, this, is, this part of the film is going to be very Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. Might even actually be just Downton Abbey. Might just have the same cast. Sure. So you've gone Downton Abbey, I've gone The Godfather. Yes. So she applies for this job as a maid, and she's offered the position, but she's appalled by the pitiful wage that she's offered for the role. Uh, basically, she's offered something like £20 a year, which I looked up was the standard salary for a, like a scullery maid in 1910 or something. Okay. And that's excluding room and board as well, because obviously she's going to be a living maid. On that wage, it's going to take her years to save up for her dream of going to America. So long. So as she's leaving, she asks if there are any other positions that might be available. So the mistress of the house, or whoever's doing the interview, says, um, well, the master is looking for a new footman, so if you have a brother who might be interested, then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see where this might be going. Mm-hmm. And this being the 1910s, or actually probably true today as well, men get paid more than women. But mm-hmm. even then more so, for, um, for a role for a man would get paid a lot more. So basically, she discovers that the salary of a footman is double that of a chambermaid. Right. Meaning it, it, it would halve the time it took her to get to America if she took a job as a footman. Mm-hmm. So the idea forms in her mind. She goes back to her apartment, wherever she's staying at this point, and she, she looks into the mirror through the gauze, and she sings a dramatic show tune about, can I do it again? Can I be a man again? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, long song short, she discovers that she can. So she returns the next day, dressed as a boy, and introduces herself as Yentl's brother, Arnshul. Mm-hmm. And she says, unfortunately, Yentl had to take another position, but she did tell me about this job, so I'd like to now apply for the role of the footman. Yeah. And once again, nobody suspects a thing, even though it's obvious. <laughs> and uh, she gets the job as the footman. Basically, so what's going to happen is it's going to be much like the first film. She's going to have a master, uh, and maybe the master's going to take a bit of shine to him. And we're going to get more like weird homoeroticism, you know, are they, aren't they kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and maybe lots of like frolicking on the country manor, you know, running around in the grass and going hunting and shooting together and all the things that mm-hmm. a footman and a wealthy landowner might do. Yeah. So yeah, it could be, it could be Hugh Bonneville. It could just be the Downton Abbey guy. Could also be like Hugh Grant, maybe. No, mm, Hugh Bonneville. You think Hugh Bonneville's better, or yeah. Colin Firth, or Colin Firth, maybe. Why, why not Hugh Grant? He's got no subtlety. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's go for Hugh Bonneville. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Maybe there's also a naive young scullery maid 
who falls in love with her with some classic comedy and lots of singing ensuing. So, mm-hmm. so she's getting it from both sides. You know, she's got a young scully maid who's like in love with her, and then she's got a master who maybe she's in love with him, and maybe they've got this kind of free song, but you know, nothing comes of it because she can't reveal a secret. Sure, sure. Uh, with the singing, do people hear that she's singing? No. Okay. Well, like the first one, it's like it comes and goes. Okay. <laughs> It'll be like half singing, half in her head. Like. <laughs> But there'll definitely be lots of, like, melodramatic breast grabbing. <laughs> Great. Eventually, after several years of servitude, she manages to save up enough money to live her dream of going to America. So she purchases a third-class ticket aboard a ship that's heading straight to America. I knew you were going to do this. Really? You predicted this? Yeah. At what point? Just immediately? Or? Pretty much immediately. Well, it, it was a strong guess. I, I considered doing it. Oh, when you go to England. Okay, yeah. sure. Well, fine. If anyone has... I know, I know, and then when you said like she's going to London or oh, going to Britain, I was like, there it is. <laughs> well, who knew I was so predictable? Well, if anyone hasn't <laughs> figured it out, Gentle buys a third-class ticket aboard the RMS Titanic. And her master is so taken with her that uh, he insists on seeing her off at the dock. Hence... Oh, wait, sorry. Should I react it then? Oh, yeah, sure. <gasps> no! I like how you did a melodramatic breast grab. It came naturally. Yes. I didn't mean to do it. <laughs> so her master is so taken with her that he insists on seeing her off at the dock. So that means she's forced aboard in the guise of a man. Mm-hmm. That means she's on the, on the ship, basically, with her boy name on the ticket. And she finds herself sharing a crowded bunker, you know, because obviously it's steerage. It's, you know, it's, one, it's a bunker. It's going to be lots of shit. It's like a dorm. There's going to be lots of shared beds yeah uh, so she is she finds herself sharing a crowded steerage bunker with a warm hearted Irishman named Tommy okay. a charismatic Italian named Fabrizio and a beautiful young American named Jack Dawson okay yeah, yeah. so what I'm thinking here is okay obviously you know what's happening here basically it's it's, it's, <laughs> what? Tit- it's Titanic and she's meeting the cast of Titanic so what no. so, <laughs> so I can go on yeah, so what I thought would be funny <laughs> What I thought would be funny is if you, uh, you know, sometimes they do like spliced footage. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have like Barbara Streisand, you know, dressed as a 26 year old or whatever boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's going to be like intercut with actual footage from Titanic. We're going to insert her into footage. Sorry, so you got 70 something, old, something year old Barbara Streisand playing mm-hmm. someone who's less, way less than half her age. <laughs> yes. Cut into a film from 15 years ago. Yes. 20 years ago? 1997? 20, 21 years ago. 21 years ago, yeah. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Sure, this is... I just think it'd be funny. It, so she's, it would. We're going to have to use some deleted scenes and some, some like B-roll footage, but the point is we're going to use old footage of them mixed with footage of her uh, and... Yeah. So we're just going to follow the entire plot of uh, Jack and Rose's relationship. Like, say, they're going to be kissing in the in the car or something and she's just knocking she's on the other side so the camera couldn't see her the first time around yeah. she's on the other side just knocking hey guys let me in well, don't spoil it <laughs> tell my story and so like they're running down the corridor away from this wave and she's there just like surfing the wave or something down the corridor <laughs> she's not sur- <laughs> just, just bar- not 76 year old Barbara Streisand just surfing on the other <laughs> side of the Titanic swimming like, with dolphins like, in- like incredibly badly green screened yeah well, there is going to be incredibly bad green screen, yes. Okay. But no, I've been a little bit more creative than that. It's not just sure. following Jack and Rose. So yeah, she befriends the man. You know, she, bef- she befriends Tommy and Fabrizio and Jack. But she also tries to keep herself to herself to kind of protect her secret. Because she's mm-hmm. still, you know, obviously disguised as a boy. So one day, she's standing on the prow of the ship, maybe singing some show tune to herself, you know. Uh, when a first-class passenger in a luxurious fur coat approaches her. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Starts talking to her, just int- and introduces. She introduces herself as Molly Brown. 
which is the Kathy Bates character from Titanic. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. New money. I might be wrong, but I don't think Kathy Bates and Barbara Streisand have ever been in a film together. And I would like that. I think these might be new scenes that Kathy Bates has to come back and film, obviously. But I feel like Kathy Bates can probably pass for... She hasn't aged that much in the past so 20 wait, years. Sorry, sorry. Ian meets Molly Brown. Yes. Sorry, I thought Ian was pretending to be. Yeah, yeah, carry on. No, she's not pretending to be Molly Brown. Mm. She meets Molly Brown. So mm-hmm. she's still dressed as a boy, mm-hmm. and Molly Brown comes up behind her and is like, So, honey, what's your story? Mm-hmm. I can't do a very good Kathy that, Bates. That yeah, was that's terrible. That's your share, isn't it? That's, yeah, I've only got one yeah, old <laughs> D-voice. I know. How does Kathy... She's kind of southern, isn't she? She's like... So what's your story? No, I actually can't. I'm not. An, I, I, I'm not. Again. I only have the one voice. <laughs> just imagine it. Just imagine Kathy Bates' voice. <laughs> Kathy Bates voiced by Cher. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe it should be Cher. Yeah, if Kathy Bates is unavailable, Cher will pick up the role. But anyway, <laughs> that's what Cher's doing these days. <laughs> just just understudying for Kathy Bates. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so she basically says, you know, what, what's your story? And Yentl tells her familiar tale about how she's an Eastern European foot servant on his way to seek out a new life in America. And then Molly Brown says. Yeah, but why are you dressed as a man? Because I feel like Kathy Bates, Molly Brown, she's smart. She sees everything. You can't pull one over on her. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, she's not judgmental. Mm. So when Yentl confesses what's really going on, she kind of takes her under her wing. And she gives her some new clothes. Still boy clothes. Maybe some of the clothes that her son used to wear before. The ones that she doesn't give to Jack Dawson. And she vows to help her find work when they land in the USA. Mm-hmm. So things are looking up for Yentl. And she celebrates by attending an Irish dance party or down in steerage where she spots Jack partying with a beautiful redhead from first class. And, uh, yeah, everything's going pretty well for her. However, a few nights later, she's lying in her bed, dreaming of the future, when she hears an almighty crack. She gets dressed in her boy clothes and runs up to the deck as quickly as she can, where it quickly becomes apparent that the Titanic has struck an iceberg and will soon sink. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <gasps> no. <laughs> you don't have to keep doing that. Everyone okay. knows what happened to the Titanic. Sure. So, obviously, chaos quickly ensues. And Yentl desperately tries to find Molly Brown in the confusion, because she's the yeah. only friend she really has on the boat. Yeah. However, she spots her just in time to see her being lowered into the water on a lifeboat, because mm-hmm. she was obviously one of the first people to get off. Mm-hmm. So she rushes to the front, and the ship's officer points a gun and demands that she stands back, because it's women and children first. Mm-hmm. Moments later, she spots Jack's red-headed girlfriend, Kate Winslet, obviously, having an intense conversation with a sinister-looking Englishman. And she, again, we're going to have the footage from the original film cut in, which is Barbara Streisand in the background somewhere, like... <laughs> Just with her ear listening in. Mm-hmm. And it'll be that bit where she says, Don't you understand, Cal? Half the people on this boat are going to die. Wait, Cal's in this. <gasps> no. Yeah, Cal, you know, Billy Zane, Cal, yeah. 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 Uh, and so suddenly it dawns on Yentl that there aren't enough boats. Mm-hmm. And only the women and children have a chance of getting off. Mm-hmm. So now she's faced with the ultimate dilemma. If she reveals her true gender, she has a chance at survival. Mm-hmm. But can she take the place of another woman? Because if she gets on the boat as a woman, that, that mm-hmm. means another woman's lost her seat. Mm-hmm. And she's dressed as a man. So obviously there's going to have to be some kind of big, long, dramatic song about this. When she tries to make up her mind. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I assume everyone else is getting onto the lifeboats. Oh yeah, no one's paying attention. Yeah. Although it, it's like the orchestra, you know. Mm. No, no one's paying attention, but they're playing anyway. Okay, yeah. Ultimately, she decides that she's now lived as a man for so long, it's only right that she dies as one too. Okay. So she decides to stay in her boy clothes, and she watches as the women are lowered into the boats. And obviously, ultimately, the boat sinks. And all of the chaos that ensues in the film at that point in Titanic ensues. You know, there's lots of running and people dying and the ship cracks in two and all that happens. Mm-hmm. But she does manage to survive to the end. Basically, at this point, I was just thinking of how many classic scenes from Titanic can I just, like, CGI Barbra Streisand into? 
<laughs> okay, yeah. So she managed to survive to the end by clinging to the prow of the ship, just like Jack and Rose do. Um, I would like James Cameron to release a version of Titanic where it's exactly the same apart from that scene. Yeah, with Barbara Strassen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just that one scene. Yeah. So, you know, the ship sinks, and as the sh- as she hits the water, she somehow manages to climb onto a piece of debris. Okay. Uh, so she's lying there in the Sorry, free... debris. Debris, yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? Debris. Debris? I always pronounced it debris. No, you've always been wrong. Okay. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, so she's on a piece of debris. Yep. And she actually manages to stay alive mm-hmm. until the boats come back, making her one of the six survivors of the Titanic who went into the water. Yeah. So she ends up climbing onto the boat alongside Rose, because there's only the one boat that went back. Mm-hmm. And she so, holds. So, so Rose left her in. She didn't say, oh, sorry, it's not enough room. No, no, yeah, well, no, no, this is the boat, not the piece of debris. Sure. You know, just the rescue boat, the lifeboats come back I and still save wouldn't the boat. Go past Rose to say that just oh, to no. shove her off, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I need my space. I need leg room, yeah. Sorry, love. It's what fine. A, what a bitch. Um, yeah, so she gets on and she holds on to Rose's hand and she's like, I had the craziest night. And she's like, You have no idea. And the film ends with her on the Carpathia, the, the ship that obviously rescues the survivors, mm-hmm. where she's reunited with Molly Brown. And Molly Brown's like, wow, you girl, you are a real survivor. And then the credits roll. Mm-hmm. So then we're going to, I guess we're going to lead to, maybe when she gets to America, she... Becomes a spy for the mob or something. Oh, yeah, maybe it's, oh, yeah you, you should actually go into a life of crime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that works too. Long story short, yeah, it's just Yentl meets Titanic. I just thought the whole kind of gender thing, especially ending on a boat, would be interesting because obviously mm-hmm. Titanic's all about, you know, women and children first. Mm-hmm. But if she was a man, would she have to make a decision? So, mm. yeah. That's oh, it. Yeah, that was good. Uh huh. I enjoyed ripping it apart. You did, yeah. You you were particularly critical this week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ah, I felt like doing it. Fair enough. Any questions? Nope. You never do. I don't know why I keep asking that question. In two years, you've never had a question. No, it's, <laughs> it's been great podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Shall we get to some listener submissions? Better add. Cecil Hops at one Aussie nerd says, "You know what? I've decided. I'm going to drink for every pun. Every pun from this episode now on. Oh, great. Okay." Cool. So you know one of the, the School of Rock? Yeah, I, think, I feel actually that should be a feature. Mm. So, good. Okay. So, at one Aussie nerd says, I don't know this movie, so I'm going to go to my default. Do it again, but in space. Okay. Yentl yeah. in space? Yeah. A space opera, maybe? Yeah. There's something there. It could work. Certainly. It could work, yeah. False Starts Podcast, at False Starts Pod. Yentl 2, Pentel to the Mental. Papa could hear you, and now he's come back as a ghost. Pentel to the Mental deserves a drink. Yeah. yeah. Her papa could hear her, and now he's come back as a ghost. Mm-hmm. He needs Barbara Streisand to win the big motor race that he never could, so his soul can rest. Oh, I get it. It's like pedal to the metal. Uh, I was wrong with the motor race bit. That makes sense. Yeah. So pedal to the yeah pedal so, to the so metal. What is this like a sort of like a Mad Max kind of film, but set in heaven? Well, no, not heaven. The, the, the father comes back as a ghost and tells Yentl that she must enter the, the drag race competition. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Cool. Like it. Yeah. They've suggested some songs for the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yentl, eat your lentils. <laughs> Drink. Yeah. Cool Rider from Grease 2, mm. which is a great song. And Tora, 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 Bora, Bora, Bora. Yeah. Sure. Great. Very good. The Contrarians podcast, at Contrarian Prime, suggested Not So Yentl, in which Barbara tries and discovers she likes it rough. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> And in brackets, um, Julio said, no, I have not seen Yentl. So clearly. <laughs> I'm taking that for the rhyme. Yeah. Bit of a theme on our regulars here. None of them have seen this film. Blokebusters said, never seen it, never heard of it, don't want to watch it. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, that said, <laughs> that said, Yentl 2, Redemption. Whatever wrongs beset the original characters are righted through fire brimstone and a machine gun-wielding clergyman. 
wrongs were there in this film? Well, I guess maybe her Darth vows vengeance for having been forced to marry a woman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they don't know. They admit that they've not seen the film, so <laughs> it's clearly a bit of a boilerplate one for them, but thank you anyway. Uh, at Squeaky Ha said, Lentil, the magical fruit. Is, 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 are lentils fruits? No, they're, they're pulses. They're pulses, yeah. Try harder, Squeaky Ha. Yeah. But thank you. Bibek Gafanye Gurung said, The struggles of a humble bean farmer who has to leave the countryside to follow her passions for the stage. Lentil. Nice. So that's better. Yeah. Nice. Now we're going to get some real good pun stuff, so, yeah. Okay. Roger Stewart said, A combined sequel to Oriental and the movie Teeth. It's called Dental. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> you know Teeth, the movie with the, uh, with the vagina with teeth? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I love the motion you were doing there, John. That was vagina great. with teeth? Yeah, that yeah. was great. <laughs> Is Barbara Streisand the owner of said vagina? Can... I guess. All right. That, but I, I she know. wouldn't do it. She wouldn't do this. She's, she, she, she she's, got, she's got two Oscars. She's yeah. not doing trash like that. <laughs> she's not playing someone with vagina dentata. Anyway. Marissa Durham says a young girl has to pretend she's actually 25 so that she can rent a car on her vacation. Rental. <laughs> Sorry, coming, still laughed. Andrew J. Hawthorne, this is one of my absolute favourites. Yentl Ben, because if women can study the Talmud, why can't bears, damn it? Do you know, have you heard of Gentle Ben, the bear? No. Ugh, you're lost. I like that one. Okay, another one I really like. Sorry. Grace Tomzak's idea was Tentle, the 10th movie in the franchise. <laughs> Nice, nice. I'll take a drink to that. Scott Hillman, who always comes up with very good detailed sequels, I've noticed, so thank you, Scott, for these. Uh, Yentl goes to America in the early 20th century, where she discovers that while things are superficially more free for a female Polish Jewish immigrant, they actually aren't much better. Her knowledge of the Talmud is good, but no one really respects her. She gets a job with a lawyer who respects her ability to memorise quickly, but doesn't really acknowledge her. She surreptitiously takes the bar exam and passes with flying colours, then moves to a new city where she impersonates a lawyer and a man. It's slow going at first, but she does well and gets back into the Jewish community. Until, when representing a wife in an abusive divorce, things start to fall apart when she's accused of sleeping with her. Hmm. That took that takes some turns. Well, that was way better than my idea. Mike Carey said, uh, Existential. <laughs> A follow-up to the sci-fi movie Existence and Yentl. He says the reader can figure out how that works. Mm, sure, I will drink for that. Yeah. Uh, Roger Stude says Yentl becomes Barbara Streisand's character in another famous Barbara Streisand movie, which is called Nuts, in which she plays someone with um, mental health issues. Okay. And this film is called Mental. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a, a PC train wreck waiting to happen. Oh yeah. Ben Cohen had Yentl Goes West. What, what? Five or goes west, maybe? Uh, yeah. yeah. Stephen Jones suggests an officer and a gentleman. <laughs> Chin T said the gentlest. She solves crimes or whatever. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my level of writing. I know, yeah. <laughs> and finally, Johan Kaikonen says, as an old woman posing as a man, Yentl is living a quiet life as a retired Talmud scholar. But when one of her former pupils is murdered... She has to find the murderer before the night falls. This is called Yentl 2. Do not go Yentl into that good night. God. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so those are our sequel ideas. Thanks, guys. So if you have any sequel ideas for Yentl or any films we've done in the past, please let us know. We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us at beyondtheboxset.com. Our podcast is available on all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, the new Google podcasting app which has just been released i believe uh yeah basically we're on all good podcasting platforms if we're not on yours then let us know and we will try our best to get onto it 
You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Beyond the Box Set or at Beyond the Box Set on Twitter. And if you really like the show, you can also support us on Patreon. As Harry mentioned before, just go to patreon.com forward slash Beyond the Box Set. And we also have merchandise available on tpublic.com. <laughs> Next week, we are concluding our Sing Your Way to an Oscar season mm-hmm. with a film that Harry has chosen. Mm-hmm. which I don't know what it is yet, but he's been promising it for a while. So my expectations are high. So Harry, what are we doing? So I've picked a good one. Well, I hope so. Um, it's going to be one that hopefully the fans will like. So it's a film starring a singer whose name begins with D and finishes with Bowie. David, ba- are we doing Labyrinth? We're doing Labyrinth next week. Oh yeah, this has been on my shortlist for a while. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think this is going to go... I've been, I've been meaning to pick this film for quite a while, and then we came up with this season of singers-turned-actors, and I was like, well, this fits just so well. I've got to do this. Every week that I've let somebody else choose the film, mm-hmm. I've been terrified that yeah. someone else is going to choose this film. Okay. We, we were in London last weekend with with some friends, and we started just brainstorming different ideas for films that we could do in this season. And I was frantically trying to change the conversation. It just never worked. But somehow... No one came up with the idea of doing Labyrinth. Mm. What a great film. I'm so excited for this. Yes, we'll see what happens next week. Great. Okay. So join us next week for Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. It's going to be good. <laughs> I'm pleased. Great. All right. Well, see you all next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.